Oh great, another Snideful production. Last week, we ended off with Plato getting away with the last NFT. Gollum went to jail. A fa- his family didn't get axe murdered. And, and also, we saw Plato do that bad shit, so we don't trust him anymore. Right, because we tailed him with Aristotle. Yeah, now we're taken under Aristotle's wing, more or less. Where did Plato get away to? Is he, he just escaped. heading? He hasn't for... gone anywhere in particular yet. How did that? He just kind of like slunk over the horizon. He jumped into his his a flying pod thing and just got away. Okay, his, his little pod. Jetsons flying car. <laughs> then he was gone. He he used the the confusion of our breaking in to try and stop him and apprehend Gollum and all that and rescuing the family to get away. Okay, so everybody's kind of like in their own. Everybody's separated then. Plato certainly is. He he has gotten away from us and he's not with us now. Interesting. Okay, so you had said that you were trying to figure out is the flashback that we see presented to us as a flashback normally is, or is Plato, or or not Plato, but Aristotle, like, hacking into our television program to use it to show us the flashback? I was thinking that we would start with the flashback as they normally are, and then before the flashback is complete, like, much before the flashback is complete, the camera could like pan out from that that little viewing pod in the time stream to see Aristotle staring at it, you know, arms crossed, looking pensive. And then it could immediately smash cut to the boys in their studio watching TV, watching their favorite cartoon. And then, yeah, Aristotle uses his fancy tech wizardry to hack into it. And then, well, and then the boys get a lesson without knowing they are. Well, I'm wondering if to make it like to link it more narratively to the end of the last episode and then kind of like rejoin in the middle of where we were is if this this uh, flashback has been presented and then it zooms out and Tucker and Todd are still with Aristotle on the way back from wherever they were and they're totally dejected and sort of like shut down from the realization like trying to cope with understanding what is actually going on with Plato and what he's been doing to them the entire time and the flashback was Aristotle presenting with them with some sort of like canned memory or or uh well if they're going to if they're going to be with Aristotle then he can definitely take them to the vortex and just show them especially cuz it would provide them a little bit of context as to what Plato's up to why and all that well, I guess we could do that then if if we hadn't started beginning heading anywhere if the last thing we saw was Tucker and Todd kind of being betrayed then we could come back exactly right at that moment with them still like on the floor in denial and then that's when aristotle could say come on i have to show you something and then take them to the vortex if that was the next step gonna check the notes oh we didn't say whether they went back uh, in this in the notes it doesn't say whether they went back to the studio before the end of the episode yeah, i, I think they actually that. did make it back to the studio did they i think so but they were they traveled with 
Oh, yes, they did, because they traveled with Aristotle and they left the rest of the crew in what was basically the parking lot of the prison that Plato was jailed in. So the rest of the crew shows up late and despondent because Tucker and Todd didn't pick them up on the way. Okay, but they're they're also they're also despondent and either Aristotle sticks with them or he leaves, but he can definitely take them along with him to the BEA headquarters and show them a flashback directly yeah that the idea was that one way or another tucker and todd get to see it but how it gets delivered to them is what's really on the table and i was it was either going to be aristotle takes them with him and shows them the actual flashback or he gets a little bit creative with it and hacks into their tv and shows them the the same sort of general story but played out through their favorite cartoon i mean that is an interesting idea but i almost feel like the idea of hacking into their tv show and using it to like demonstrate to them and teach them the lesson is almost like an entire premise for an entire episode it does seem that way it's quite an ambitious idea yeah because then you're taking the whole like uh visual themes of whatever we've designed their cartoon to be and rendering a story in that like that's really compelling i really like the idea of that whatever they're itchy and scratchy is did we give it a name no i don't think so we'll we'll have to think on that but i i do agree that it is a compelling idea which is why i was thinking about it but i also i think you're right that it is probably too big for what would basically be a two not even two minute bit could that be a joke where Aristotle begins to do that? And he's like, you know what? This is too ambitious. I just wanted to tell you guys. <laughs> Have it both ways. Yeah. I like that. Just gives up halfway just through. Gives this up. Is, this I've, is... I've, I've got a hollow deck. Just watch this. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know what I, why I'm doing this. <laughs> he's sitting there with puppets. This is shit. a lot of work. He's, yeah. He's trying to do like the cardboard Tucker and Todd thing. He's got popsicle sticks and felt and shit. Yeah, he's basically running a little puppet show. He's like, you know, there's got to be an easier way to do this. Oh, right, there is. It's called 3D imaging. He's learning our lessons. <laughs> okay, so I think that's that's the best way to have it is a little bit of both. Yeah. They're in the studio watching their favorite cartoon. Aristotle starts hijacking it. They don't really <laughs> notice at first, but he, he really, yeah, he really quickly becomes frustrated and runs out of steam. <laughs> and he's like, he puts, he puts it all down. So like the entire, the entire uh, setting, whatever is in the cartoon, it, it falls over flat. It like unfolds. it's all a 2D cardboard. <laughs> yeah. It falls over and there's just Aristotle. And he's like, this is too much work. I'll be right there. Ding yeah, dong. He's, he's like <laughs> he's on his back. Off the screen. He's on his back on the floor, like curled up with like handfuls of puppets. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I can't, I can't do this. This is not. Oh, I'll be right there, and then he immediately steps ding off dong, screen, yeah. and then ding dong, he's at the door. Classic. He's like, get in the car, and then they, then they're gonna fly out to the vortex, and the boys can be like, hey, we recognize this place. We were here, you know, once upon a time. They can break the fourth wall and name the episode and everything. Well, that's funny. Yeah, we were here in season one, episode whatever. Yeah, we we were here with Columbo. Who we had to see a, we got to see a bunch of cops <laughs> getting angry at a, a black tile <laughs> yeah i wasn't sure if that stayed in i think it did yeah it needed some massaging if i recall it was just a bunch of focus groups and it was just two uh colored tiles and they had to choose which one they liked the most 
And of course, the uh, the black colored tile met with the least amount of satisfaction of amongst those the pulled. The least amount of ill will, or the least amount of goodwill. Sorry. Yeah, it it um, pulled with lower lower approval ratings. Yeah. But all the rooms are probably different this time. Uh, I'm sure these guys get up to all different kinds of messing around with public perceptions and and manipulating the the development direction of humanity. I learned a new meaning of a cab today, which I quite like. Tell me about it. Assigned cop at birth. Interesting. So for like, you know how sometimes you just look at a, a thumb looking guy and you're like, that's a security guard. <laughs> yeah. That's an A cab. <laughs> Assigned cop at birth. <laughs> yeah. You can just kind of tell. <laughs> As opposed to like uh, assigned being uh, scrutinized by cops at birth. Right. Yeah, that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Assigned profiled at birth. Yeah. Rather than being assigned a specific cop at birth. Yeah. We all have one of those. Assigned. Yeah. Assigned a cop at birth. <laughs> yeah. Printed. You, you get a cop assigned to you at birth or you get assigned to become a cop at birth. Depends on your class. If you come out with a billy stick, there's only one way. <laughs> Especially if you're already hitting minorities with it. So the nurse rather than the doctor. Oh, yeah. Hang on. Mm. It's the doctor, too. Yeah. Don't tell me the um, doctor can't be black. One of my favorite YouTube doctors is black. YouTube doctor. I love YouTube doctors. That's where I get all my health advice. Neil you try, find, black, you try finding YouTube yourself doctor. a doctor. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Blackdoctor.org. Oh, my gosh. I shouldn't have doctor. said anything. Doctor shares his opinion about BDO. I don't think this is the right thing. Um, sorry for that distraction. What were we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about uh, we the the boys are heading to the BEA. Aristotle's okay. taking them there, so they they're pulling in. They're at the BEA. Then Aristotle's going to take them to like this that central viewing space where they get to see the actual vortex rippling up through the this the center ring. And they're like, yeah, we've seen this before. I remember this is how we made Craig. Who anyway? Aristotle will then do, you know, some kind of 3D projection screen thing. And then there we can now we can now just watch past events. And where is this all occurring? This is in the observation ring using the. Yeah. The water projector. Yeah, it, it's it's being used to make basically a holographic projection of the, the time stream of the past events. OK, so he's showing he's showing this forging of the. The forging NFTs. of the NFTs. Yeah. By the by, the dwarfs. <laughs> I have I haven't uh, decided who the the people that happen to be forging it would be yet. They're they're natives to the island of Aslantis. Aslantis. Yeah. Well, if you want Mount Poon, I want Aslantis. Well, I think I almost think now uh, Mount Poon now has to be called because how does it work? It rises. The thing that rises out of the chasm is is. It, it definitely rises Poon first. Yeah. <laughs> Mount butt plug. <laughs> it's a real sticky outie if that's what it is. <laughs> I I remember listening to a recent, uh, not a recent episode, recently listening to one of the episodes around this time frame. And there was an, a, a long exchange about a, a butt plug that actually had like a, a, fake arm hanging off of it given the terminator two thumbs up that made it look like somebody was reaching out of your butt saying it everything right. in here is okie dokie 
Early episodes were real fever dreams. <laughs> I don't know if that's all that different from now. Yeah, I guess not. Sticky Audi. Um, yeah, it's uh, like a hard stool. It's like you're actually shitting a man arm first. <laughs> but he's given the thumbs up, so you know everything is okay. No need for colonoscopy. I've already checked it all out. I'm just going to need a minute to get back out of here. So everybody's landed at the BEA. Aristotle gets the, the, the mist projector going. And then, yes, we, we witness the forging of the NFTs. We see the island of Aslantis, Mount, Mount Ding Dong, Mount Poon. Oh, so during the forging, though, would it look nothing like it does now? So it's not like sunken or anything like that. It's all floating oh, yeah. in still waters it's, or whatever. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, this is before the, the cataclysm that created that vortex and all that. So it's a normal island. We get to see, you know, pr- pristine, nice landscape. It probably looks, you know, vaguely from a distance like uh, King Kong's Skull Island. Although there are people living on it instead of just like only horrifying insects. And then we can zoom in, go for a very brief tour, zoom in until we get to the forge at the depths of Mount Poon. Because where else are you going to forge a bunch of mystical objects? But here at this uh, volcanic vent. Who in the original, I know that we said, I think we said that we were going to have Jay be the voice. Oh, didn't we have a, oh, that was a totally different thing. Where we were playing D and D, and Jay was narrating, I think. Oh yeah. And we were gonna have her be the voice of Galadriel or whatever. Yeah, that uh, did turn out to be in an episode, and that was when the uh, pink bunny suit got forged. Right. Okay, that's a different thing. So let's. Should we put some thought because I feel like it could be important into who was forging these? Yeah, probably. Who are the native? Uh, people of this island or is it even being forged by the native people of the island or is it being forged by some other third party that's just like come to visit i mean that's interesting colonists um, colonists or some kind of well that's one thing it could be it could be a malevolent force or it could be a benefactor right because the very first time we discussed forging of the nfts it was actually done by bob saget yeah. And it was a benevolent act. They just wound up being perverted later by misuse. Okay, so NFTs are non-fungible tokens now. Back then, are they still a form of like cryptocurrency or whatever? Are they created by computer beings? Are they are they created by some sort of like angel hybrid? Oh, interesting. Some kind of heavenly renegade. Yeah. Or, or are we going back Adam and Eve style and this is actually a gift to humanity? Right. A sanctioned gift, not a, a renegade. Gift. And then it got misinterpreted and mishandled or whatever. It got appled. It got appled. Yeah, interesting. That's what happened at Eden. Yeah. That was the a gift g- to humanity and somebody ruined it. The gift got bastardized, yeah. Okay, I like that. So yeah. it there it is done by a benefactor, a heavenly is, being, a proper angel, not one of the rebels, but one actually sent by the God computer goes down to either forge these things or give the native inhabitants of the island the knowledge of how to forge it. Right. And OK, that's interesting. So, yeah, so it was meant to be something, yeah, benevolent and a gift to humanity. But of course, humans 
fucked it up and turned it into currency. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so should we make a joke of that? Should we do a little bit of um, social social uh, commentary? And what is something that is not meant to be currency? But we oh, is it sex? Like sex? relationships? It's something Food? that's not meant to be currency. Yeah, like basic human need stuff like right at the bottom of the pyramid basic sustenance being able to use the toilet <laughs> yeah and then humans just immediately start bartering with it <laughs> yeah immediately start like gating it uh impose artificial scarcity on it <laughs> something like that <laughs> but i'm thinking that this might also be tied into the altar the altar might also be like some kind of 3d printer device that created them ah but i'm thinking that it winds up being because it's going to eventually be used to create a portal. So I'm thinking that it's supposed to be some kind of uh, interdimensional bridge, but not necessarily to the outside, but maybe it's meant to help guide humanity to heaven. Oh, and then perverting that would be the ultimate betrayal of, you know, that benevolent act. Yeah, I do like the idea of the tokens or whatever they actually are. And the ritual is meant to be, yeah, a path yeah. towards divinity. Yeah, like they didn't give us the perfect instructions because part of the, the human experience is figuring it out for ourselves and maturing enough to be able to do it all. If they just told us how, we wouldn't learn anything. But we take these basic building blocks they've provided with us and we just turn them to shit. But I was like a slab of Ikea instructions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? What screw? <laughs> yeah, it's not numbered. <laughs> why? Why is this wheel here? Where do I attach the wheel? <laughs> this or is a page table. nine. Yeah. <laughs> what letter is this? This isn't what? Why, God, why? <laughs> but uh, there's also the. Uh, so the intention behind the original creation of the NFTs is benevolent. Is it human nature that corrupts them? Or does someone less benevolent show up and show humanity a less benevolent way to use them? Do I mean, we corrupt it ourselves or does somebody corrupt us? Both of those are extremely compelling because if we do, the less benevolent influences the way it gets. Like that is doing the, the devil and the apple thing. Yeah, that is and kind would, of playing Christian myth straight. Like, is it funny if it, it's Steve Jobs and he comes and he turns the NFTs into Apple? <laughs> that is kind of funny. <laughs> that is it also clever. it also it also occurred to me something kind of funny is that a malevolent actor shows up but sees that humanity's already done a better job of ruining it than he could. Oh, that's funny. If he comes, he does the Dr. Evil thing. He's like, one million dollars and we're already doing murder. Yeah, he, he shows up and he's he, like, oh, I see you've got this under control. <laughs> no, he's going to make this surprise devil face. He takes one look. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> like he's he's kind of uh, patting himself on the back before he's even gotten started. He's like, hey, going to go corrupt humanity, going to ruin their entire history <laughs> this will be great and then he shows up and he sees that we've already created a horrible predatory industry out of it and he's like "Ooh, i gosh. see i'm not needed here yeah he probably feels embarrassed he then looks at like his own 
draft of plans and i guess we can kind of see what it, what it was we can briefly see what it was and it was it, whatever it was it was less bad than what humans humanity did without his help it was like a poorly drawn crayon plan on lined paper oh yeah yeah it's like crumple that up yeah that's embarrassing okay gonna find a different planet then we never see him again till next season okay so yeah uh we are going to have our cake and eat it too there was going to be a malevolent actor, but he took one look at humanity's own uh, inhumanity to itself and uh, noped right on out of there. These guys are worse than I am. He's crying. Yeah, he's probably uh, it's I mean, it's got to be quite a blow. And of course, we're going to see how the the altar, which is kind of the forge, the alt, but it becomes an altar, winds up having its purpose perverted. And there's going to be some kind of. Uh, yeah, we're doing this a lot lately, but there's a civil war. I mean, there's got to be because whatever whatever's going on, either it doesn't work or some other some rebel faction arises to prevent it from happening because we have to sink this island. Well, that's kind of I, is this a funny gag then if to, to demonstrate that there's a civil war, we show all these like old fashioned uh, primitive humans, but they dress up as as. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> We got General Lee over there. Yeah, they do a, a Civil War reenactment in the primitive times. And they're fighting with bayonets on sticks. Yeah, but they're still saying like, oog. And they're not, yeah, they're they're sticks that are sh- kind of shaped like rifles, but they don't shoot. They just bayonet. Yeah, they're just, oh yeah, they're, they're sharpened <laughs> caveman sticks, but. Yeah, yeah. tally-ho! <laughs> <laughs> Cannon fire. <clears throat> yeah, I assume Aristotle's giving a bit of, uh, a bit of a description as to what's happening here. Just oh, a bit. Oh, he's doing the, the Ken Burns documentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he very briefly sounds like Morgan Freeman. Yeah. As doing, like a, doing a, March of the Penguins. As a bugle goes off in the background. Oh, yeah. Somebody's got a... I guess it would be like... A, when the sun rose on the of, battlefield that day. A bunch day. of leaves. A bunch of leaves configured into a, a bugle. Oh, and then the Canada, our nation's heritage type overlay comes on. <laughs> I remember those commercials. Remember those? <laughs> yeah, I found them to be uh quaint. <laughs> some of them are strange, some of them are cloying, and some of them are wow, we sure haven't gotten up to much, have we? No. Canada. That's why they call this part of town the Mild West. <clears throat> so yes, uh he tells us that the humanity was gonna use these the NFTs and the altar to create a bridge, but to someplace terrible. Like he doesn't necessarily say where Tucker and Todd can look at each other with a knowing glance. They haven't been trapped in the outside for months at this point yet that Mm -hmm. like that happened in the past, but they probably have a couple of flashback recollections, but they know what's on the other side of the, of other dimensions. They know it's not great. So they share a glance and he says, but, but there were some who rose up to fight them and, then yes, we get to see our little the Confederate army <laughs> holding out at at the the bottom of Mount Poon. Yeah, a little bighorn, a little big poon. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Is that little even a Civil horny. War reference? <laughs> little bighorny. No, yeah, I think big that horny. was. Uh, yeah. I think horny. that was the uh, that was massacring. That was part of the westward expansion. I think. Yeah. I think that would have been. That was post Civil War. Yeah, post Civil War. That would have been part of the formation of the cowboy era. 
where the uh what is now the United States Army is uh basically just bullying the native population. It's considered the most significant action of the Great Sioux War of eighteen seventy six. One of these days we're gonna have a lot of lawyers and they're gonna have a great Sioux war. <laughs> a great Sioux war. That's fun. <laughs> they're gonna great sue you. Anyway. Anyway. Right, I... there's there's a battle at the little big horny. <laughs> that little big horn is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so there's a battle at the little big horny. Uh, the rebels manage to take Mount Poon, and whatever they do, they manage to throw a ri- like the ritual is in progress. They manage to throw it awry enough that it causes like a, a rift in space time that starts creating what now is like the vortex. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah, oh, yeah, that's since, actually really cool. Since it's all like dimensional stuff, accidentally collapsing a portal, you know, a forced portal singularity basically creates like a little black hole. Does, anything, then, yeah, specific, does anything specific happen to the NFTs? Oh, I'm going to assume that they, you know, kind of get they spit get out, flung, flung across the wide corners of the world. Yeah, pretty much. It's too much, I think, to say that they got swallowed up by the vortex and spat out into different dimensions. Yeah. I think they should stay terrestrial. I think so, because I don't think we had anybody doing anything ridiculous to go find them. They were hidden in the Yeah, and in, and in fact, they all happened to be found in the exact same place after the Crypto Bros got their hands on them. Right, yeah, they had them. They were passed down through the generations. <laughs> yeah, the, it's, it's basically a mystery as to how those three chuckleheads managed to get them. They just like traded crypto and they just managed to get them. Manifested them. Yeah, I think I think maybe they're kind of like the ring because the ring goes where it wants to go. Yeah, it goes to who it wants to go to. And eventually it will screw you over. So these guys started doing crypto and then the NFTs just kind of manifested to them. That makes sense. Kind of a little bit of a will of their own. So they get flung out of the altar. The the whole ritual and the portal that it's creating is totally destabilized. It collapses in on itself and creates a, a tear, a rift through space and time that results in this one kind of elongated stream that comes up and down that creates that swirling vortex. And of course, what will what will eventually be known as Fan FT Island, but is currently just Aslantis, sinks into the depths of the vortex. And as it sinks, sort of like the, the 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 frothing water from the replaying scene merges with the frothing water of the, the the projector, and then the scene ends. After it sprays Tucker in the face. Oh, do we get? Does is there? It does it kind of? There's a, a bit of a lull as it goes calm, and we go, "That's it," and that's when it sprays Tucker in the face. <laughs> yeah, the screen, the the holographic image kind of shrinks in, in, into like a little circle. It's it's doing the Looney Tunes shrink, yeah. and just before it just before it finishes closing all the way, it squirts Tucker in the face with water. At least it's not blood this time, but so far Tucker's the one who gets sprayed in the face with stuff. Like one of those clown soda bottles or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just like one of those. So he's just wet in the face now. That's it. Yeah. And so now now we uh, we see that the NFTs are actually, you know, objects of pretty significant power. Aristotle lets us know that Plato has them and he's going to come here to try and bring that island back because he wants to complete that ritual. He's going to give it a second time. What does that have to do with us? 
What does it have to do with them? They're just in the middle of it. Oh, so, I just wanted to show you that thing. They're special. Oh, right. They, they... Have, they have a special connection to the outside. He might actually need Tucker and Todd as some kind of stabilizer for the ritual. Well, was it who had? Oh, right. Because they don't have the. They don't have the supernatural aid, but only they could create it. Right. And maybe, maybe even though it, it can only pass custody with like kind of permission. Right. Weren't we going to do a Harry Potter one thing with it? Yeah. So you so... have to you have to get rightful claim to it to be able to take it. But maybe it still can't really be used without somebody who's got outside juice in them. Yeah. I'm okay with making that work if it gets to the point where, because is Plato stealing it from Abaddon? He's going to be stealing it from Abaddon, yes. Okay. And then he gets there all smarmy thinking, there, I have the last piece. Thank you for prepping all this for me. Stand aside. And then he drops his drops in and nothing happens. Yeah, we're going to have to figure out a way that Plato manages to get his hands on it. Because he's going to be retrieving one of the like globe things from Abaddon, right? Not the original Yeah. Package. Yeah, the 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 processed finished product, and he doesn't know that there's more than one globe of it. And yeah, I think we've we've I guess we can say, what does that have to do with us? And then we can immediately transition to another scene so that Aristotle doesn't actually have to answer that. Yeah, <laughs> Start hinting at what it has to do with us, because we've already hinted at Tucker and Todd and their their connection to the outside and their relationship with it. Yeah, because they made the supernatural aid. We already kind of established that they're necessary for some of these processes. So we can immediately go on to cutting to Abaddon's headquarters just so that we can get a peek at this this globe, this filled little snow globe of have we decided what color it is? I think it was blue. The supernatural aid. Yeah, blueberry flavor. Purple, Purple, huh? Just because I always associate grape flavor. Yeah. With Kool-Aid. Purple is a pretty cool color. Mystical. Hmm. Yep, it's purple now. <clears throat> I'm convinced you've made a strong case. Grape. So there's this this globe of what looks like grape juice just sitting on probably like a cool clawed holder thingy on Basil Bub's desk. Yeah. Just a just like a peek at it. He's not at his desk, but that's that's what we're looking at, is his little office. He's probably got cool curios on bookshelves. Yeah, it's like Dumbledore's office. Yeah, because this is the fucking devil. He's going to have... Oh, yeah, he's got all sorts of weird occult shit. <clears throat> yeah, he's it, it's Dumbledore's office, but like an evil version. So he's got like shrunken heads and stuff. Truck nuts. That's pretty funny. <laughs> he's got truck nuts. He's got a Let's Go Brandon t-shirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> he's got a he's got a framed picture of himself with Jeff Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Basil Bub, no. Giving Jeffrey Epstein like a nuggie or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> They're real pals. Just like Elon. Pantsing uh Prince Andrew. Oh yeah. <clears throat> oh Elon. I would like to make fun of that in like a gag as well as 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 a guy who buys buys the platform on which all of his biggest stands live and then when he starts making rules for his stands they all turn on him yeah i'm i'm thinking that it's just like um he paid 44 billion dollars to stop people from making fun of him on twitter and how's that harking out (laughs) (laughs) the the day people stop work stop making fun of him on twitter is the day he bans the last person besides himself yeah 
Yeah, he's um, there's definitely going to be like a framed picture of Basil Bob, Prince Andrew, Elon Musk, and then you know everybody's favorite, uh, basically a sexual predator who also uh, happens to be deeply ingrained in the all all aspects of higher society somehow. Talk about insulating yourself. Yeah, just a little creep. He almost got away with it too. If it weren't for those meddling me twos. He had ingratiated himself to just about everybody who could protect him and and kind of threatened their welfare by like if if anything bad happened to him, it could cast shade on them. And so they it was in their best interest to protect him till he was caught. Then it was in their best interest to kill him. Hmm. Has anybody like they're going to now, but was as far as, you know, there has to have been somebody who had like a sly under the table script about Epstein and kind of like an Epstein type character and story. Oh, probably. Without, yeah, I'm curious to know if people have been trying to tell the story for a while. I I really want to know if anybody was trying to make such a story before such news broke. And yeah, then, that's what I mean. And then they they're looking at their script on one lonely rainy night after all of this breaks and like oh, I can't do this now. This is going to be a fairy tale. <laughs> yeah. And then he has to scrap it all, and now it's like a gritty true crime noir film. But it was going to be Disney princesses. Oh, but then princess. but then Jeffrey fingered all of them. All the princesses? Yeah. Some of them still grow up to be queens, though. Anyway, good riddance, Jeffrey. So yes, there's uh, Basil Bub's office and his framed fo- photo with his best friend, Jeffrey. This guy's the devil. Never let anybody forget it. And yet he's, he's in a, f- a photo with someone worse than him. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I almost want to say, I was, was going to say he's got like the crayon heart around Jeffrey's face. He's he's writing in his notebook, his crush oh. on Jeffrey. But that now we're doing South Park. Yeah, that's too far. It's just a it's just a buddy photo. Yeah. Elon's in there, too. But Girl, best friends for life, man. BFF. Kayak, kayak trip 1998. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's Basil Bub holding up like a fishing line with a big trout on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah buddy's fishing trip yeah uh those bastards okay well, so I... we see the office yeah we got we gotta no i gotta do one more it's just the gig okay, you got, okay, you got okay. basil bob with his finger he's got his he's fish hooking like a, a a fish he's holding up the fish that he caught and there's jeffrey epstein doing the same thing with a 17 year old are you sure she's not 13 oh she might be god damn it jeffrey i wish i wasn't glad you're dead but we are. Okay, now we can move on. <clears throat> All right, moving on. After We're in this, this office. Grotesque fish hooking allegory. Yeah. Yeah, Space Love's office, it's empty. I suppose there's like, maybe there's like a little uh, red light on his desk and it's flashing with a little really quiet alarm going on. Beep, beep, beep. And then we can immediately smash cut to him in like that observatory lounge that we've seen him in watching big screens of what's going on on Earth because of course they're on their space station. Right. And the same alarm is still going off, but it's louder and and more actually alarming. Intruder alert. Actually, I suppose it would be um, perimeter alert. Plato's not on the station yet, but he's approaching in his little pod. The same one. He's got the the trio of NFTs with him. Let's assume he knows how to use them to blast his way onto the station or something. Oh, okay. Not to mention he's got all kinds of crazy Plato technology. Yeah, he's got some sort of weird fire pole. He probably also managed to get his hands on the magical flight, which if you recall, allows uh, 
what would what would I call it? I guess I would call it point to point transport. He takes a Mobius trip, something like that. It's basically like a Star Trek transporter. He just teleports to another spot with some range limitations. So there's a perimeter alert. He's on his way to Abaddon Station. Basilbub is just kind of watching. I assume he Basilbub knew he was coming. He knows what the supernatural aid is for. He was there, maybe not present, but you know he was aware of the the forging of the NFTs and the alternal. He's an archangel. He's one of the first. Sorry, so, I was distracted. What is so? Who did what from where? Basilbub knew that Plato would be coming, so he's kind of watching with a you know a bored expression. Oh, okay. I he's not. That. He's not freaked out. Plato he knew thinks this that was going to Plato happen. thinks that he's sneaking in. And then, yeah, like Plato thinks he's got the edge. He thinks he's got the the initiative. And Basilbub's sitting there silently watching him with his like hand in his, or his head in his hand, just kind of bored. Yeah, he knew he was coming. The thing is, is that the the devil's biggest sin is his overweening pride. He's arrogant. Plato helped design this asshole. Yeah, I guess Basil, so. Basilbub never really had a chance, at least in a one on one confrontation. That's interesting. But I I was thinking. You're putting dialogue in my mind a little bit that I hope we can twist around. Oh, for sure. You know the usual suspects um, when they're talking about the greatest trick that the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Convincing the world he wasn't real. Yeah, there is if, no Kaiser Soze. Right. If we could do... how Plato says, do you know the greatest trick I ever pulled or something like that? Like, make some kind of reference to it. Oh, is yeah, convincing, I like that. Is convincing you you exist or something like that. Convincing you that you don't exist. And then, yeah. And then, and then Basil Bob <laughs> just becomes catatonic. <laughs> he just collapses. That's interesting. Yeah. It's, okay. I actually like that. It's like inverted solipsism, where instead of believing that you're the only thing that's real, he suddenly stops believing in himself. He doesn't exist. I'm so not could real. he, so could he say that? Could he be like leaning in then? I think kind of Plato like... knows a number of command words and phrases that can be used to wreak all kinds of havoc on Basil Bub. Yeah, I was going to say he pulls like a memory pin from his neck or something like that, like some some just some sort of little hack. He hacks him. Yeah, probably doesn't even have to touch him. Like it probably could be done with like a command word. What's like um, the Manchurian candidate? I, I'm going to make another Star Trek reference because they don't use buttons when they initiate something like a self-destruct command. Right. They just say initiate self-destruct command, and then they give a verbal sort of series of, of uh, command words that happen to verify the authority of the person requesting the command. Why don't you pass the time by playing a little solitaire? <laughs> Why should I? Because I'm giving you a direct command. Alpha, omega, blah, 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 more Latin words, you know. And then suddenly Basilbub goes blank in the face. He's like, I guess I'll play some solitaire. Oh, yeah. What was the one from Serenity? Uh, I think that was Miranda. 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 Planet Miranda. Yeah. Made her go crazy killing machine. But yeah, little little programmed in command words. Okay, I like that. But I, there, I was also kind of playing around with the idea that Basilbub knew he wouldn't stand a chance. And he kind of prepared uh, sort of a contingency. Oh, okay. As Which in, is... as in the uh, the globe on his desk is a fake. Oh, that's fun. Like I was thinking that Basil Bub would place a duplicate, a a red herring, because he knew that he wouldn't be able to keep it out of Plato's hands. Right. 
So he just kind of when Plato kind of backdoor hacks him to to basically force Basil Bub to hand it over willingly, he hands over a fake. I like that. Then that's a double misdirect with the non-functioning Tucker and Todd needed thing. Yeah. Okay. Let's assume um, that the, the proper supernatural aid has a sort of a reaction when it's close to Tucker and Todd, and this one doesn't, and that's when Plato gets to learn that it's a fake. So it won't be for a little while. Would we do... I'm a little bit fixed on the, the trigger phrase thing. Would it be something that nobody would ever say to the devil? Oh, interesting. Like, is that is that the joke sort of thing? Or something that nobody would at least ever say to corrupt CEO billionaire? <laughs> now I'm thinking of all of the things that I would puke before I'd say to Elon Musk. <laughs> you know, your hair looked okay in that picture. <laughs> you seem like a great guy. Oh, man, you're so cool. <laughs> uh no, you don't seem insecure at all. That's everybody else who's wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's actually very funny. <laughs> I'll bet Plato, you it would work Plato on the devil, him, too. Yeah, he looks him flat in the eye and says, yeah. You're not in... You were right. But yeah, some some kind of command phrase. It could be nonsense words. It could be like a... Quatu Vrata Niktu or whatever that thing yeah. is. Yeah. Or it could be a silly little joke. But I do like the Quatu Vrata Niktu just because that's famous as command words by now. Yeah. Klaatu Verata Necktie. What's that? <laughs> Bed knobs and broom sticks. I love that film. Spell. Army of, Army of Darkness was such a good film. Traguna McCoides Tracorum Satis D. <laughs> Wingardium Leviosa. <laughs> yeah, that would yeah, be funny if it was Leviosa and the devil's like, it's Leviosa. And then yeah. falls asleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He does it to himself. <laughs> yeah, he com he sort of it requires it requires input from the subject. Yeah, that's that makes it 10 times funnier. He completes the command by it's Leviosa. Oh, <laughs> down he goes. I, li I like those where it requires input from the subject. It requires a response. Well, now I that, want that makes it that makes it a two party consent rule. Now I want the devil to be J.K. Rowling and somebody says something about trans and she says that's not a woman or something like that. And then well, if you if you recall, the devil actually has J.K. Rowling as a minion. I do remember that. B.S. Prowling. Yeah. She's I uh, I yeah, he kept her and yeah, then we protected get... her from the reset. She's still lurking around somewhere. Yeah. How does that? Well, whereas work? the whereas the pseudo intellectuals were left in the outside which was unaffected by the reset. So they're still, everything's normal over there. They're still just there. Yeah. Well, we also haven't met Jeff Bridges yet, but he was also safe from the reset. Have we not at all in this season? No. Mm. Basil Bub also still has the uh, wet-ass Pacific in his possession. Damn. Well, that will all have to be We can resolve that. Four. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, um, I'm perfectly happy to leave us Lots of content to play around with later. Yeah. No reason to have to do it all now. So yeah, some kind of some kind of nice gag command word that requires a response from Basil Bub, something that he instinctively has to actually participate in by being an ass. Yeah, pretty much. And that that's what seals the deal, which Plato knew he would because he was oh, designed to be an ass. And maybe it should be a callback to one of the flashbacks then, if it's something that we can bake in. Oh, if if I recall, they had a meeting. Yeah, that might be an interesting opportunity to actually kind of go back and slip in 
sort yeah, of think, a reference to command words when they had yeah, a meeting. Yeah, I think we should. I think we should have some because that meeting was very like brief and just utilitarian in us to telling a story. But now we can go back to that and make it a little bit more uh, narrative. Yeah, because it's it's Basil Bub talking to not necessarily his creator, but his designer. Yeah, and and, and they quite possibly sort of... the guy that you know tightened some of those bolts and nuts and made sure that there was backdoor command paths for emergency entry just in case this guy got on the loose so the commands the the command override whatever it is is used to compel basil bob to hand over this purple goo filled globe that he's got on his desk of course it can be none other than the su- supernatural aid just look at that thing yeah. hand it over and so he he kind of stiffly hands it over and then he's like okay uh, go go count every wire in the station. And he goes, <laughs> you know, stay busy. And then Plato takes it and gets the hell out of there. So the, the, the theft is both successful and a failure. Un- unbeknownst to him. Yeah. Unbeknownst to play Plato. He's been played for a sap by somebody who knew that he had all this power already. The devil is arrogant, but he's not stupid. He's had time to strategize. Do we see any hint of that plan after Plato leaves or is it not revealed until? Um... I think it can be revealed passively to the audience that um, we can we can like kind of as as Basil Bub wanders away as Plato leaves, we can cut to another part of the station where it shows in like a secured compartment where there's actually the proper globe of supernatural aid that gives off a slight glow. Do we do a little R2 C3PO thing? There's some little devil droid is getting into an escape pod with the important or how is oh, that? Oh, I like work? that. Maybe maybe not an escape pod, but he's like now that the alarm is off, he's coming back out of his secured hidden compartment. Mm, and he's okay, kind of like just that. got it. He got he's got the globe in his clutches. Yeah. R2 die to <laughs> he's racist <laughs> he's a racist little robot he sounds like jimmy carr but he means it <laughs> i think that would be an excellent robot laugh beep, beep, boop. <laughs> <laughs> just the same cadence but with beeps and boops yeah i mean now that i think about it i'm not convinced that jimmy's not a robot that sounds like a robot's attempted approximation of a human laugh to me We've done that thing where we typed in a laugh into the text-to-speech, and it sounded very similar to a Jimmy Carr. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, Jimmy, but I think we've got you figured out. Turns out, Jimmy is one of Plato's first projects. I think there's a number of robots in the comedy community. Oh, possibly. Uh, there's always Jerry. Jerry Bot. Yeah, he 3D prints the same jokes over and over. Uh, Louis C.K. might be a robot, but he doesn't. He's like uh, not a very well maintained one. So <laughs> nobody ever gave him a firmware upgrade. No, so he's kind of <laughs> deteriorating at an accelerated rate physically. And uh, Louis is an Apple II. Yeah, he's the first generation of iPad, <laughs> which by now isn't good for anything besides like putting your cup on. Like it's a placemat. It's a coaster. Or if uh, you're in a pinch, you can use it to squash a bug. Zap a bug. Bug trap. So Plato is escaping with what he thinks is a supernatural aid. Basil Bub is compelled to go and occupy himself with other stuff for a little while. 
but the alarm is terminated because everything technically went according to plan. As far as everybody knows, everything went according to plan for everybody. Yeah. So the alarm is lowered, and then our, our little racist droid... I don't know why I want him to be racist. He only speaks and beeps and boops, so nobody will ever know. But whoever hears it will be like, oh, come on, man. No, well, he speaks and beeps and boops. He also crosses to the other side of the corridor when, like, a black person is walking toward him. Oh, that's... <laughs> yeah, what a shitty little droid. A little, a little obvious telegraphs. And, yeah, and he makes, like, disgruntled little beeps and boops once they're out of earshot. No, he, yeah, he barks at non-white people. Well, no, I think he should do it subtle uh middle american style where he just waits till they're not there anymore oh yeah but but because it has a little rotating head its head rotates left and right before it it makes a little disgruntled beep boop yeah yeah checks over his shoulder (laughs) (laughs) shitty little racist droid one day i'm gonna enjoy blowing him up and he's gonna do the r2d2 scream yeah i can't do that yeah no i saw a lady on tiktok who does it really well too well. You gotta have a little. You gotta have a little phlegm in your throat for it too. I just checked. <laughs> I just checked the memes. Come on, make money. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe you shouldn't have killed the bird. I don't. I mean, how much money do you want it to make? It's never gonna make forty-four billion dollars for you. Well, I was watching. The, he did an interview with, I think, one of the old Twitter staff or something like that. One of the old senior guys doing like a like exchanging of the guard or whatever they're doing. Yeah. And he was saying something about like, well, he's such a fucking the snake oil thing of like, well, this is what it's going to do. And then everybody just goes, okay, it is going to do that. And he says, I believe it has the potential to be the most valuable software on the planet or whatever is going to make $200 million a month. (laughs) Yeah. You know, okay. (laughs) That makes me think of the metaverse. How many, how many billions is that just sunk that company now? 700. Seven, I wasn't even aware that there were that many billions to have for a company. Yeah, I didn't realize it was a trillion dollar company. I thought that was what world government spent on things. Like, that's, well, but that seems like UN budgetary money. They essentially are a government, though. Like, with all I know, the, they're, they're megacorps. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cyberpunk megacorp. That's yeah. what we're dealing with. I was listening because. When run by Zucker- a lunatic when zuckerberg was on rogan they went they spent like an hour talking about um the money that he spends on security uh and, it, like just- and it's more than the entire united states spends on military yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he subcontracts the entire united states to handle his security concerns these and and these people think they know what we want yeah you know what I want? Food security. That'd be nice. I don't want the metaverse. I just want to eat. <laughs> I don't want to freeze to death. Sad. Like there's you got there's a part of me that does. I don't know if it's respect. I guess I'm just in awe of how much he believes in it. <laughs> I I I respect conviction. Yeah. When I see it, but that doesn't mean I agree with it. Like I it. Sometimes I admire and envy somebody who can believe that hard in something because that's something that I can't do. <laughs> well, yeah, pursue a dream to that. I was just I just watched a three hour and 48 minute video essay slash documentary about 
a theme park in Utah that was promised but never opened. This ideas guy who got lucky with some tech money, and so he started dumping millions of dollars into his dream theme park, but it never happened. And so he lost interest in because it went too slow. And so he dumped all his money into other things and then was never able to commit to it, but kept selling it to people as though it was going to be a thing. It's very much these Kickstarter video games, but IRL. Um, Some of those Kickstarter video games turned out awesome. Well, yeah, of course, but the Kickstarter that, yeah, MMOs. that's that's <laughs> that's what happens the minority of the time. I recognize that. But these these guys that have time, a it dream, is an ideas guy doing snake oil. Yeah, and that's part of the problem. Ponzi is schemes. Uh, I don't know who I heard said it, where I heard it from, but it was this: everybody is an ideas guy. Well, yeah, that was actually the top comment on this thing was artists hate ideas guy because everybody is an ideas guy. But yeah, it's the like, people that are able to make their ideas happen. Exactly. If you don't have some kind of skill that can contribute to the fruition of your idea, then you are a nobody. You are a nothing. Everybody is an ideas guy. Everybody has ideas. It's all about whether or not you can produce that idea and especially because the skills to produce your idea kind of ingrain you with an understanding of what's reasonable and what isn't yeah would you say that we're like an eighth of the way out of that hole where we're just ideas guys are we a quarter of the way we know how to make stuff we're trying we know to know how make to stuff. we know how to write scripts we know how to make jokes and we're not just sitting around waiting for somebody else to say hey i sure like that idea i'll finance it yeah, no, we're we're basically doing side hustles. Our our hobby until until our our uh, what what qualifies as a hobby can become self-sustaining and self-supporting. We do side hustles. Yeah, that seems like the responsible thing to do. Right now, we can make about six hundred dollars a month, and that's not a ton, but it's way more than I thought we were going to be making at the beginning of the year. Isn't it cool that we're making money? Yeah, it's more than we were making last year. Yeah. And if next year, maybe we double it and maybe. year after that, eventually we can live off it and and then start pumping more of it into the into the project. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping actually, yeah, I would like to do. I don't know. We're veering off course. Let's let's finish our story and then we'll do. We are. Road off course. <laughs> we are off course. But I think that's the with uh, with the. Race destroyed being revealed and then Plato kind of disappearing into the horizon back towards Earth in his little Jetsons vehicle. That's an excellent time to smash cut back to the BEA with Aristotle and Aristotle can say, and that's why you're so important. Oh, <laughs> he told the boys when nobody was no, the audience wasn't there to hear it. Should we take one little detour? And that might actually make the I was going to say a detour for the sake of um, just chopping up the back and forth. Uh, but also that the taking the detour might make your joke that you just mentioned land harder is if we check in with the studio crew. Oh, certainly. Just, just maybe they're still despondent. It's just like for a couple of seconds. And that couple of seconds interrupted what uh, Aristotle was saying. Oh, it maybe they're doing their podcast that they do when we're not around. Oh, yeah. OK, I like that. Any any idea what this particular iteration of it was? Because I think we talked about how they kind of try a different thing each time. Yeah, I can't remember what it was last time, but if it wasn't a food review last time, I think this one should like they're doing a hour, a power hour or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah. Food review. I'm, I'm yeah. Yep. 
They're doing the 60, 60 nuggets in 60 minutes or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got to be some kind of it, like a food that nobody feels strongly about. Something kind <laughs> quite benign. Cheese sticks. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Cheese sticks are pretty good. But you know what? They're not exactly like a mozzarella stick or anything. It's just well, like a stick I, of cheese. I had a friend in high school who started a nachos review site. But it's like wherever you go, the nachos are either like wet and greasy or they're fine. <laughs> like you don't go anywhere that they've got like the best nachos. Yeah, I mean, nachos are like pizza. It when it's good, it's great. When it's not good, it's still pretty good. Yeah, I've never had nachos that I'd, I'd like push right my plate away and say, take those back. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like who does it? These are nachos. What I was not expecting filet mignon i was not expecting like a, a an exquisite au jus that i could dip like fancy cheesed beef on when i worked in a pub once we had a, a, a company come in a group come in and ask for nachos with no cheese that was me get the fuck out of there <laughs> yeah basically what they were told yeah. it's like going to italy and asking for a pizza <laughs> with pineapple on it get the fuck out of here you get written up for terrorism domestic terrorism Okay, so they're doing a food review podcast. <laughs> yeah, and it's shitty and uh, low impact. Damn, oh, does ache. does Jay have a special hat for that? Oh, her podcaster hat? Yeah, maybe it's a beanie. What is a podcaster hat? I guess it would be a beanie. That's all I could think about is somebody who like cultivates internet personality. Well, I mean... In, if there's in, a hat for it, it's a beanie. In the few clips where we've had her character in the podcast studio she was wearing her traditional her original costume was a beanie so that can be her podcasting hat oh i guess she's just herself then yeah now that i think about it her base personality is a hat <laughs> that's interesting all of her personalities are hat what is she if she takes them off oh if she has no hat on yeah i don't know that's an interesting thing she's like a lizard she, she works like a modern pc that doesn't have an operating system installed so she's just like the firmware hmm. she's just the bias that is something to explore for another day she loses her hat and her uh, she has an identity crisis because she doesn't know who she is well i had that ah, fuck that's actually a thing that i want to explore because i think it would be interesting if she was like uh one of plato's inventions cool that's ah uh, we're just making him responsible for everything <laughs> yeah. i mean uh, yeah people can be great and fearsome or whatever i think if we're gonna if she's gonna be a a construct then she's actually secretly one of aristotle's okay that's an interesting thing oh you know, that's actually i like that because i think what i wanted to do the reason that i wanted to do that was so that we could do uh, oh what's it called um treasure planet slash the end of Dead Men Tell No Tales or whatever. The, yeah. What's his name's daughter? Barbosa's yeah. daughter. Yeah, we can do that with Aristotle and Straight Woman. I enjoy that a lot. Yeah, and, and rather than designed to be like manipulatable, she's designed to be modular. Yeah, I like that a lot. So she she changes hats and engages a different subroutine. Right. And be whoever and be whoever she decides to be. Yeah, like she's not designed to be you know backdoor hacked she's yeah she's not meant to feel she's a real boy i like that a lot aristotle that's the whole point is that aristotle did it right well yeah. whereas plato did it in sort of a tyrannical i'll use you later kind of way that's interesting 
Well, that's fun to come back to. Let's finish this yeah. story. <laughs> so Aris- so we smash cut back to Aristotle and he's like, and that's why you boys are so important to this whole thing. Oh, well, and our makes- eyes are shining. <laughs> that makes a- that makes sense. Thank you. Now I get it. This is like the the probably the only time where we've had Tucker and Todd know something that the audience doesn't. We love having the audience know stuff that they don't. Yeah. Like we do the dramatic irony all the time where the audience sees like, I mean, we just did it with the with the robot and the the globe, Mm -hmm. the true supernatural aid. But now now Tucker and Todd know a secret that the audience doesn't. And that secret is that uh, that secret is that we've already told you. Yeah, they can hug. They're like, ah, I'm important. I've never been important before. Me neither. We matter. That's what it's all about. And so Aristotle's like, yep, you do. But we're going to have to get ready because Plato's going to be coming here any minute. He's probably on his way right now. Why? Because this is where the island is. Yeah. Do you remember that island from the video? It's here. It's right. It's right below us. We that's where he. Yeah, that's. Yeah. At the floor. <laughs> like there's there's like a railing where we can actually see down into the vortex, like yeah, two feet away from feet. us. But we look at our feet. <laughs> huh? We probably wouldn't be able to see the island at the bottom of the vortex, but it still would have been a, a more reasonable look than at our okay. shoes. These boys just got finished understanding something, so now they're back to being yeah, stupid. Yeah, they're worn out. <laughs> yeah, that was it. The, the quota. Yeah, they have they have like the room in their brain for one full turning of the gear, and that <laughs> that was it. One full I rotation. Can I can understand one thing a day. <laughs> yep, that was a one full rotation. Uh, I'm all used up. Oh, so you do you hear the gear turn and then clunk to a, a yeah stop. click. <laughs> <laughs> it prints Click. off a little receipt <laughs> <laughs> right on the back of your head <laughs> we'll <take it>, <laughs> uh, now serving <laughs> all right <laughs> so yeah um this it may be time for either a split screen or kind of like a back and forth where we can see plato basically rocketing he he pushes the throttle you know one of those little hand pushy throttles yeah. that you see on boats and for some reason on the uh, Starship Enterprise in the, the new movies, that was never there before. So, and uh, yeah, Plato punches it. And that's when glows. that's when it can, oh, lots of stuff can glow. And then it's like, <laughs> and then it just zooms right off of the, right out of the frame. Yeah. And then it can smash cut back to Aristotle who says he's probably on his way here right now. Oh, how, if only he knew. But Plato is racing towards the place and Aristotle probably, uh, turns on the alarm of the BEA, which will sound suspiciously similar to the one at uh, Abaddon Station, because this is where we ran out of budget. <laughs> oh, it's, this, the, it's it, the same it, alarm, but played in reverse. And, and there's even like a, uh, what is it, like an audible, what do they call that? Like an audio watermark? Oh, yeah. This effect supplied by Soundbank. <laughs> I hate those. <laughs> I, they... I don't think about that very often, but now that it's on my mind, I'm angry about it. Yeah, nice I really don't woman. like those. Boop, boop. Alarmsounds.org. Like you could add a little audio watermark that doesn't significantly take away from the rest of the audio, but you chose to do that instead. 
Like there are people who put a little watermark in the bottom left or right corner of an image, and then there are people who plastered over the entire thing. And yeah, I think scrolls. we know I think we know which one of those an audio watermark like that is. Yeah. There are two kinds of people in this world. <laughs> this is just this is descended into that kind of a speech. And one of them goes to hell. One or of them meets a... Basil Bob and becomes friends with Jeffrey Epstein. There's a special level of hell for people who put absurd watermarks. Yeah, ridiculous watermarks. And speak in theaters. Is that the other thing? Oh, yes. Uh, there's the what was it? Because Jack Sparrow says the deepest circle of hell is reserved for betrayers and mutineers. And then Shepard Book says that there's a special layer of hell for child molesters and people who talk at the theater. Yeah. And I think those two layers are probably they probably touch just a little bit. And the people who do those watermarks, they're they're being ground into a fine paste between those two layers, like they're tectonic plates. I sound bitter. And those two pages in history are stuck together. <laughs> so yes, Aristotle is uh, rallying the place now that he's finished getting us up to speed. Either that, or or the camera can the camera can zoom out to reveal that the alarm has been on this whole time, and everybody else in this place is scrambling. So they have been the entire time he's been explaining it to us, and we just haven't noticed. Because it would be a bit mm. silly to wait until he's already on his way to start getting ready. Yeah. So is it so is it like fortifying itself then the the agency? Well, yeah. Let's assume that they've got like cool energy shields and stuff. Plasma crossbows. Oh yeah, like stationary gun things that Star Wars big star destroyer like turning turrets. You know the they they rotate. Th three three barrels of them at at a time. They're they're super laser weapons. Whatever they got. Oh right, because isn't this these these people are all um were they not Lovecraftian horror things? They are indeed from the outside, and they've got specialists like Aristotle who are like super techno wizards on their side. Right. So they've there's they've got no uh, limitations as far as like space and time. Or technology. Yeah. Black so, magic defenses. Yeah, they can. Like, here's one in a in one of the Warhammer 40K books, because in, in the for Warhammer 40K universe, there was what was called a dark age of technology. And a lot of the stuff that people still use many thousands of years later is a product of that age, but they don't know how it works anymore. Yeah. And there's one of these very special ships. I believe it was called an Arc Mechanicus. And it's it's from the Dark Age. And something happened that caused its artificial intelligence to awaken. And it started piloting itself and activating systems that they didn't know it had. So it wound up getting into a gunfight with an Eldar ship, which is very fast. They're very dodgy. And it shoots at it. And the Eldar ship dodges it. So it, it does some kind of weird shit where it, uh, it basically, I can't remember if it, it sends the bullet that it shot back in time to hit the ship instead at a different spot. Or oh. it sends the, sh the enemy ship back in time so that it happens to be where the bullet's going. Whatever it does, it has a time gun. It's like, you thought you dodged that, but you were actually mistaken because of just altered time space around you. So anyway, that ship got destroyed. But like, that's the kind of bizarre stuff that these guys can have. Yeah, I like the idea of like, yeah, time currents and it turns every living thing on the on board into into babies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and of course, the the ship's AI made sure everybody on board was unconscious or something. So nobody got to see the super cool shit either. Waste. 
So yeah, those Eldar died. But but we can and, have all kinds of cool weapon systems like that. But in this case, the only thing that's approaching the agency is just Plato, right? There's no like army or anything. No, it's just Plato. And Plato has super technology of his own. Right. Okay. But I'm thinking that around the uh, the BEA agency, there's like kind of like a time warpy bubble that can be activated. So as soon as you touch it, it sends you back in time like 10 minutes. So you're like 10 minutes away from the bubble now. Well, that's interesting. So as you... He's back more... in Basil Bub's office. Yeah. yeah. If, if you approach it, it just sends you back away. It doesn't need to activate any other defenses if it can basically like just send you away. That's interesting. Maybe is that the cliffhanger that we end on? Then we see him get sent away. Tucker and Todd cheer. Yeah, he's gone. And and Aristotle is for now or something like that. Yeah, he'll be back. He'll be back. But I, I I was thinking something like that. Like either it would show him being on his way, and we could end it Dragon Ball Z style, where it's like cliffhanger in transit. Yeah. That they do okay. every episode, or we can have Plato start an encounter and then be immediately repelled. And yeah, then then the boys can cheer, and he's like. He's just delayed. He'll be back. And then everybody can get their game faces on. Except Tucker and Todd didn't really have a war face. Show me your war face. That's, that's, yeah. Hmm. He'll be back. We have 10 minutes. Well, we can, we can spend that playing with Linda, if you like. Oh, no, I was, I was sorry. We have, we have 10 minutes before uh, Plato returns. So, ah, yes. There's got to be a dial somewhere. Yeah. We've got to get ready. A shield strength dial. Set it to 20 minutes next time. <laughs> I mean, it'll probably only work once. Any trick you play on Plato will probably only work once because he'll he'll figure out a countermeasure for it after that. Yeah, that can even be explained to us. It's got a one time use. Yeah, that's what did that do? It sent him back in time 10 minutes. So he's 10 minutes away now. So just do that again. We can't. Uh, yeah, he's definitely going to have it figured out by the time he gets back. We won't be able to use that more than once, but we'll use that 10 minutes to activate all of the station's extra defenses. And that's when we can see like uh, all the the big guns and stuff moving around. Everybody loves the all the weapons on board are activating scenes. I guess that's how we could do a cliffhanger then. He gets sent away. Aristotle says we've got 10 minutes to get ready. Start rolling out the defenses. We can see some of them rolling out, and they've got all of their guns aimed. And so that's when some sort of person, some staff member announces, he's is a to he's returning approach or whatever. He's returning. And that's what they could all right. Five, <laughs> he, 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 he started driving twice as fast, so he's five <laughs> minutes away. <laughs> well, fuck. We didn't think of that. And I think somewhere in the background, somebody should be like wheeling a Civil War, what looks like a Civil War era cannon on wheels. Oh, yeah. But then but then I think you should pull it off the wheels and be like this guy. So he's just holding a cannon. So just bring it to a window. That, give that guy a raise. I think so. But yes, we can we can end it on that. Uh, everybody's now preparing for the second battle of the little big horny. On my signal. Three. Two credits. <laughs> I like that. That's the best. And then if we want a post credit scene, it's just Gollum one. Oh. <laughs> one. Oh, yes, but it's somebody else shouting one. Oh, what do you mean I can only have one fish in my cell, said Gollum. <laughs> one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that'll that's the best at the, the post credit. Si, what do you mean one? I want two fish. 
¿Qué pasa? Is Gollum Mexican? No, it's somebody called Juan. Oh. Oh, he's um he's friends he's with the prison. Silent J. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that guy who's l just the upside down question mark. Oh yeah. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a few of these guys. Uh yeah. Gollum in jail is funny. Gollum in jail. Is he in jail? Yes, he is in jail. He was he was he was in jail at the end oh, of the last right. episode. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. He's got a like a little pond in his cell where he can do his little fish. <laughs> his little fishy song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So juicy yeah. sweet. His little fishy song. <laughs> That's what that was. Penguin exhibit at the zoo. <laughs> oh, didn't you say he was like what penguin? His jail or cell like? looks like. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, he's in. Um, which which one of the Batman films that was it that Danny DeVito was penguin in? I don't remember which one. The Batman or whatever. Yeah, was that Tim Burton's? Yeah. Da -na 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 -na. Da -na 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 -na. That was the best Batman theme song ever. It was just called Batman. So he was no, in there. Batman Returns. Was it Returns? He yeah. wasn't in the same one as uh, Jack Nicholson? No, he's Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Christopher Walken. Oh, but it was still Michael Keaton. Yeah. Music by Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman did not look like what I thought Danny Elfman was going to look like when I watched that Nightmare Before Christmas documentary. No, I think uh, Danny Elfman confuses everybody. Because In my mind, he, he looks like uh, you ever seen the movie The Time Machine? Yeah. When when the guy is stuck outside of the time machine when it's active and he rapidly ages, he looks like <laughs> Carrot Top if that were to happen to him. <laughs> In my mind, I don't know. I always thought Danny Elfman was going to look like Ted Danson. See, in my mind, Danny Elfman always looked like what Tim Burton turned out to look like. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I guess that's a closer. They're very much two sides of the same coin. Yeah, I figured Danny Elfman must look just like Tim Burton, but maybe with white hair, all white hair instead. Because Tim Burton looks like an eccentric genius type. Yeah. And I figured that's what Danny Elfman looks like because Danny Elfman is a fucking genius. Inarguably. Yeah, just objective genius. He's got whatever that gene is. That's why they call it genius. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> it's a gene. I'll bet you it's from a Greek word or something. It's stupid. Oh, probably. OK, so that's that's the end of that episode. That's the end of that episode. Just call him doing the second uh, the second stanza of his little fishy song after being told he can only have one. Roly poly fish heads. I don't like him in his songs. Nope. I also don't like the Andy Circus Gollum voice. I don't like it's the voice that we all did in grade four when we were doing a stupid chipmunk voice. Yeah, I uh it's hard to listen to. Yep. Baggins. Okay. That's also the only thing I can hear Andy doing anymore. Yeah. When he was talking in Age of Ultron, all I heard was Gollum. <laughs> I want to talk to the man in charge. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, he's so creepy. Uh, let's, yeah. Let's talk about Linda. Let's talk about Linda. I'm just going to outro out this uh, episode because I'm going to clip this part off. Right. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Snidefall. I was your co-host, Todd. And I've been your co-host, Tucker. Uh, thanks. Have a good night. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to Snidefall. Hosted by Tucker and Todd. Right. 
I'm Gigi. And I'm Craig. If you'd like, you can send an email to snidefull at gmail.com. Or search Snidefull on social media. Which ones? I don't know. Great. I know that the Instagram account is spelled different. Whose idea was that? I don't know. Classic. I'll just put a link in the description. You can do that? OMG.